0: This is com. This is Disrupt with Mpumin Club, powered by T-Systems. Good day. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Disrupt with Mpumin Club of yet another exciting episode of the show that we've got today in the studio. We've got another guest joining us all the way from Cape Town, Peter Krobla. Peter, good morning. Welcome. Oh. Um, we were chatting earlier, and you've got a very interesting background. Um, you had your own business, uh, which you sold into the AdCorp group. You had various roles and functions in there, the senior leadership. And most recently, you've taken up the role to head up uh, one of the subsidiary companies, um, Tiger Tail Digital. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, more broadly, we we'll are talking about employment, about job seeking, about um, the new world of work, um, why a digital company and, and why that makes sense. So really tackling quite a few interesting topics, especially this time of year where people might be looking to make a change or really looking at how they're going to apply themselves into 2018. So thank you very much for joining us. On um, this show, uh, for those of us that are joining for the first time, we really talk about organizations that are disruptive, organizations that are tackling existing industries in a different way or pioneering new industries, which I think... Tiger Tail is really looking to do some pioneering and reshaping the landscape. Thank you to our sponsors, T-Systems, for making the platform available. And for all the listeners, uh, thank you very much for joining us once again. Peter, yes. how are you? Good in you. Good, good. You said <laughs> earlier on to me that you're a bit of a maverick. You like to do things differently. Your background, um, you know, you're currently heading up Tiger Tail Digital, but I know you've done quite a few things prior um can you give me a quick synopsis of kind of where you came from? Yeah, I can. Look, started in sales in the late
1: nineties. Um moved on um into the tech space totally by accident. Okay. Um I was uh introduced to a guy who was on a flight between Joburg and Cape Town, which then was asked to create an IT desk for one of the sort of staffing business back in the day.
0: Mm.
1: And because I was in sales they asked me what I mind joining them in a separate business, which they wanted to start. So in the late 90s, we started Network International and had that for about a year. And then um, I was approached by a company called the Pillar Group back then to start the operations in Cape Town. Okay. The Pillar Group happened purely by somebody from Adapt IT, which we all know is uh, quite a successful business today by virtue of share price alone. Um, You know, a guy called Gideon Le referred me to the owners of Pillar Group and said, well, talk to Peter to start your business, Cape Town. The fact is I had a 15-minute with Gideon um, conversation in my life. That's how much time I spent with him, yet he referred me. Wow. So then all, all the rest was history. I started building Pillar in Cape Town. We um, later on transformed Pillar by doing a PE deal, changed the name to IC Blue Technologies. And then in 2009, we sold that business to Paracon, which is now part of the AdCorp group.
0: And what did that business do, IC Blue, What were you involved in? We
1: had a couple of elements. Um, it had a business solution side. It had a large loyalty business component and loyalty software per se. Okay. And then it had a, had a large labor component, which was obviously the part that we sold to Paracon.
0: A labor, what do you mean? Like you provided contractors, like consulting, contractors consulting in, in okay. ITR. Okay. And what size was that business at the time that you sold it? In Joburg, roughly about 250 people,
1: and up in, um, or down in
0: Cape Town, plus minus 100. Okay, so a, stum- a substantial business yeah. at the time. And the decision to sell that, you wanted to pursue new things, what happened? Oh, it wasn't entirely only my choice. Yeah, the shareholders, <laughs> of course, partners, yeah. yeah.
1: I must also say that uh, uh, Paracorn is a great company, and I mean, they're quite persuasive when it comes to sort of like acquisitions and mergers, so you hardly walk out the boardroom without making a deal.
0: Ah, uh, Okay. And then you moved into the into the broader Adcorp space in um, senior leadership. Uh, what roles did you fulfil during that time?
1: So, firstly, it started off with sort of sales management for the Western Cape. Um, I later got given an opportunity to become more involved on a group level, as okay. it holds multiple operating companies, mm-hmm. which varied from an uh, Indian consulting business through to training businesses to project management businesses. So, I just became like a a layer across all
0: these entities Okay And taking them to market And helping them to scale Okay um, Then recently uh, You said September last year uh, You moved across And came into the Tiger Tail business um, But you told me a fascinating story About how the business was actually founded Which, which I quite like Can you share that story again? Yes, or, I can Yeah
1: So um, to come back uh, Yeah, so last year May um, Basically the name Tiger Tail Was the only thing we had um, we then hosted a creative hackathon at workshop 17 We had about 10 teams of designers and de- developers compete against each other To come up with the MVP, um, minimum viable product for the business uh-huh. Plus its corporate identity um, From the event, what was a sort of 48 hour hackathon So people weren't smelling well after like 24 hours <laughs> But um, we then selected three finalists, um we flew them up to Johannesburg, and we hosted a client event at our offices here, mm-hmm. and the clients actually picked the brand as we see it today with the MVP, and the MVP was digital recruitment, and I say was because we've been flipping the business um, around and repositioning it currently.
0: Yeah, so I, I want to just dwell on that for a bit longer because... Um what inspired the organization to want to just kickstart a business without knowing where it's going to go? What drove that? It started initially from an internal
1: um, services unit within the Ad Corp Professional Services site called Talent Crowd. And what Talent Crowd was a sort of research-based um, entity that would research um, skills for the market for the other businesses okay. and then hand it over and those businesses will then employ them all. In you know, a contracting to customers, etc. So it was built on a highly sort of um, skilled research capability in the back end, and okay. then with digital inclining, uh, um, you know the whole skills demand with digital increasing. You know it became a good use case to like replicate that, and maybe then spin it into a fully fledged business. Okay, is what what happened at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and so. Because my, my thought on this is that it would have been very easy to follow, you know, a very successful business model that you've applied over the years, which would be, you know, start a division, give it a name, put some managers in there and then go to the market and do what you needed to do. But for whatever reason, you decided that you needed to take a more disruptive approach to launch this particular business. Why, 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 why was that decision made?
1: Look, um, it's a cliche. A lot of people, you know, use the loosely term millennials, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> yeah. So how do you attract the new generation, um, you know, to to get them into your business to help you service your customers. So I think it was a big component of that, you know, to create a, a disruptive brand, you know, that's got a startup culture. We'll mm-hmm. always have a startup culture okay, where people can relate to, you know, that sort of in this new generation. But with that said, I mean, you know, it didn 't end up with just young people engaging us you know? <laughs> We recently had a data scientist which actually should not be working. He should not even be driving sure you know, that 's how old he is, but um, I don 't know if he's listening um, but yeah, that was the basis for it. you know how do you create a, um, a, a business where that will attract, you know, people that think
0: differently. Mm. Just on, on that note, we spoke earlier about this term, the smart creatives, which which I picked up from um, a book by Eric Schmidt um, about, you know, life at Google. Mm. And, and you were talking to me about, you know, obviously you don't like to jump onto, you know, fancy industry terms all the time. But one of the things they talk about there is that a smart creative is not defined by age, gender. Um, you know nationality It's really about you know the way someone Wants to apply themselves the way somebody wants To work and so there could be you know past Retirement age for example but the Energy how they get creative influence Is really what drives them is that You know in essence part of what you de- you, you creating in terms of the culture of your Business as well
1: yeah sure I mean I, I totally agree with you know There is no age limit and um, um, I might want to ask you a question let's Look at the adoption to digital in this country alone, what do you think is the average age of the highest adoption rate? 40s, I don't know. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. 45. 45, wow. Yeah. Um, good friend of mine, Richard Mulholland, yeah. you know, I said to him, what do you think about millennials? He said, well, I don't think anything of it because my granddad's a millennial because when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does, he takes his phone and look at Facebook, <laughs> you know. So 100%, you know, I don't think there's any age limit to, um, being disruptive and innovative. Absolutely. Like I said to you earlier, I think it's more about looking at the things you hate and wanting to change them. Mm. You know, that's what actually drives disruption and innovation.
0: Mm. And what are the, one of the things that you're looking to change? So where are the areas that you see, particularly in South Africa and in African context, um, that, that we can be possibly more disruptive or we can change the way that we're doing things because, you know, employment and, and job seeking is, is such a topical issue, regardless of what the political regime yeah. might be. Um, and I think we tend to understand it in one dimension, you know, so you study, you get a good job. I mean, I know people always talk about the millennials think differently, but even till today, it's the basic structure in our economy. You know, you go through matric, go through varsity or some sort of tertiary qualification and you get a job. But I know you've, you've had different views.
1: Talks to our hiring process in the country. I think that's, that's where it falls flat. So everybody still follows that same process that you've just pointed out. Yeah. And it's because you actually can't get hired if you don't have a degree or Mm. you at least have a metric. But then you'll find, you know, guys that left school with standard eight, that's actually built quite disruptive tech companies. You know, even tomorrow if they flip it and I want to go and work for a corporate and do the same there, they can't. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of moving components in like, you know, sort of like following and starting to commit to how do we really disrupt and transform, um, you know, our skills base. And how do we get the right people in for our businesses? So it actually starts with us, you know, the people that's hiring and putting certain processes in place. Mm. Um, and we have to be acceptable to the fact that, you know, technology, if you look at the open source, um, and library and, and, and stack out there that, you know, you can't keep up. Not even institutions that train can, can keep up with how fast it's moving.
0: Yeah. But does it not create then a pressure on organizations? And I'm now talking not only organisation but the broader ACOP mm-hmm. group. Does it not create pressure for you? Because on the one end you're getting briefs from customers that say, we want an MBA and 30 years experience, but you must be a millennial type of thing. And on the other hand, you need to sustain the business by providing them with this pipeline of talent. At what point do you challenge the briefs that are coming back to say, but you could fulfill these roles or these skills differently? Is there is there room for that? I, th- I think... Uh Tell is
1: a Use case for that That's what we've Been doing over the Last you know six To eight months
0: Talk talk me through
1: That You know we Go and see Customers and they Give you a brief But you know 100% or let's Say 80% of the Time they don't Even know what They're looking For you know And that's where that research component comes in again. You know, we often find ourselves lately that we're actually telling customers, you know, well, this is actually what you're looking for and this is what your brief should look like. And you should exclude this because you're not going to find it. The people that you're chasing after, they don't have, you know, um, a PCOM IS degree.
0: I see what yeah. you yeah. So if you're looking for the latest digital UX designer or yeah. whatever, they don't necessarily are going to study become finance with no, marketing you, honors or whatever.
1: UX, you want somebody who studied
0: psychology. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want to tell. But me. what about for the more traditional roles? You know, uh, uh an analyst. Yeah. What else? Are there? You know, there's almost there's the because I, I'm asking because even in the more traditional jobs, so the non-type of digital era roles, um, you still want people to think differently, that apply themselves differently because that's going to influence how they shape the business into the future. Is there no scope even within that to challenge the traditional ways of kind of identifying talent? Uh, yes and no. I mean,
1: so companies are starting to follow a bimodal operating model when yep. it comes to IT. Yep. So sort of like leaving the traditional on the one side, optimizing it, makes sure it ticks, mm-hmm. and then having the digital um Units totally, um, you know, separate to those entities. Mm-hmm. You'll see even companies now splitting their tech component, you know, also out of that, um, um, area. So le- leaving legacy and mainframe to run on its own, they'll optimize it and keep the lights on mm-hmm. and separate to that. See how do they actually move away from that legacy onto the, you know, new way of working? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm sure in in this optimization legacy area, there's one or two guys <laughs> that want to put up their hand and move across. Yeah, yeah, But, you know, it also goes back to how you were brought up in IT. You know, if you're very procedural programming sort of type of person, you know, even if you look at a data context today, if you're a traditional ETL developer and you're now story, starting to talk about unstructured data, you know. It's a different world. It's a different world. Yeah, you know, this yeah. It's
0: all data, but it's very yeah. different.
1: Yeah. So he says, how can you interrogate the data? Because, you know, We haven't done any transforming of the data. Mm. You don't need to, you know. So they don't flip, you know, to that side. So then we have to leave them there so that they run the data warehouses until we switch them off. So I think there's always going to be a combination. Um, I've met some very smart elderly people in, in IT that has flipped. Yeah. So, or to digital. Um, so I think there's a bit of both, but I don't think there's a, a solid answer to, to, to that question to say, well, you know, here's the correct way to sort of move and shift people to that. I mean, that's the biggest challenge in this new way of work is how do you flip your culture? So, you know, you'll hear from the industry, one of the big, um, sort of loosely terms thrown around is agile coaches. Yeah. So somebody to teach you how to do things in this different way of work, you know, um, because some people just don't flip. They, they, it just doesn't happen overnight.
0: Yep. Yeah, the propensity isn't there. Yes. Um, I want to now shift back to Tiger, to Tiger Tail. Uh, so yesterday I decided I want a digital job and I went onto your website to see how I might, um, get myself employed by, by one of your amazing uh, companies that, that you partner with. But I didn't get to speak to a human being. I didn't even get to send a human being an email. Um, I think the robot I met was called Norman. Yeah. He introduced himself as Norman. Um, Talk to me about the thinking behind um, having an artificial intelligence interface as the first point of interaction in your business.
1: I think you can't um, go out and call yourself digital and then you put a telephone number up with a receptionist that's going to answer and then direct your call. Yeah. Um, I think if you if you make a statement and you take something on, I think you need to commit and you need to look internally first. Um you know how the and from the baseline that 's how the market's going to perceive you mm. and
0: I think norman 's done well Um we i 'm still waiting for the response from norman <laughs> if you If you chat to him or her later, please let 'll uh, so the, so I want to just chat about Norman for a little bit because it was quite an interesting experience for me um you know so i'm I'm getting the questions back and i'm and i 'm responding and i 'm choosing the different options, but i couldn 't help a little bit to be like it'd be nice if I was talking to a person right. Um, and I just want to get a sense of: is it, is it? Does that suggest that I'm not necessarily suited to that line of employment, or what's happening there? I mean, and in, in you obviously you've done a little bit of research mm-hmm. amongst your candidates that have come through the process. What are people telling you about this type of engagement?
1: People, people love it. Uh-huh. Um, I must comment on Norman. Um, Norman's a process-programmed um, AI, which rebel. I picked up. Yeah. Yes, so he doesn't really have any cognitive capability mm. yet. Um, you know, that's sort of next level for us to explore. Yeah. But I think the strength of the business is that we most, most of the times get to you before you even get to Norman. So I think that's the power, um, you know, from a business perspective. Okay. Um, Norman's there for the odd person that, you know, got lost in the web and landed up on the page and, um, is engaging with some fun way, um, of, of, Know getting to know the company,
0: yeah. But, but is there? I mean, do you believe that more and more the functions that you fulfill uh, as a organization that's matching people to, to organizations is that going to become more and more automated? It's going to be more robots and bots and interfaces doing De- the work that you do today.
1: Definitely, that's that's a given. It's a given not only for our industry, it's a given for many industries out there. Um, automation is sort of on the lips of all the big organizations, especially where you have volumes in terms of processing, mm. um, you know, that, that's a big topic. We're currently actually launching a robotics business, um, the first of March. Okay. And that's with a joint venture with a, a entity in Australia.
0: Uh, are you able to talk about what the intentions there are or not yet?
1: Yeah, well, I can. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Uh, The field's called RPA. So it's taking – it starts with basically manual, mundane processes that you that um, people um, capture and automating that. Because what happens is people have to do it, and now people actually can't move to the next level. They can't themselves innovate and forward them because, you know, somebody needs to do this task. So it's a very good use case for robotics. But the field's growing. I mean, there's more and more automation happening in that space. Yeah. Um, so, our business basically is a joint venture with a leading consulting firm in Asia-Pacific called The Reveal Group. So, come 1st of March, we'll create what we call Reveal Group SA, okay. and it's a 50-50% ownership between us and the owners in Australia, um, and we'll actually be one of the leading partners then in SA for technology that's used in the RPA space called Blue Prism.
0: Okay, and give me some use cases just to make it simple for someone who's listening. So. This, you know, robotic process automation, what are some of the use cases that easily come to mind in that space? So
1: I'll do a, one which we did internally with AdCorp. So from a UIF perspective, the capturing on the claiming needs to be done by people, that they make mistakes. Yes. So you have a person that has to claim that, that delays the process. Mm-hmm. they actually out of a job. they reliant on that money. Yeah. And so if you put a bot and you teach them the process, there's no error in doing it. Okay. And you actually cut down that time and that error. Um, and effectively affect people mm. in the process, their yeah. lives.
0: Yeah. And what about the flip side of that? Because I think it relates to the conversation we're having around automation in your industry. I mean, on one end, your business is about trying to help people find employment and help organizations find talent. But on the other end, you know that, you know, with, with digitization, you know, on the horizon, a lot of what gets done will be automated. Wh- where do you see that kind of ending up, that storyline. That person that understand
1: that process, that manual process that he executed up to that point, you asked earlier, how about the traditional people and what's next for them? How do they get to digital? Mm. So if they process thinker, they're the best, you know, uh, candidates to actually get skilled up into how to, you know, execute RPA technology. Okay. So there's a flip side to the, on the one side, you sort of like cutting down operational expenditure by automating some of the things, but you're also creating opportunity at scale, um, you know, using technology. Yeah. Because if you if you just have to think in your own context here at Live Central, how many processes is there? Tons. You know. Yeah. So just think of if you automate those, if you could, how much time you would have to actually spend on other things that will actually make your own business and your own entity more successful. Mm. So there's two sides to that. Coin.
0: Yeah. So do you foresee that your business will, and not just Tagatil, but the broader business will spend a lot more time looking at what employment looks like in the future? So would it be less about people? Or is it going to become even more about people?
1: Look, one thing you can never take away. People buy from people. Yeah. Um, and that will never go away. But I think the process to get to the people, you know, can be automated. Um, and we human being, We make mistakes. If I'm, Dealing with volume currently, you know, I'm going to let one or two things slip through the crack, cracks. But if I actually automated it, and the alerts is there, that will never happen. You
0: know. Okay. Okay. So basically, the people aspect will always be there to give context. Absolutely. What the What the technology needs to deliver
1: and quality control.
0: Quality control, human beings? over yeah, yeah. No,
1: no. Yeah, of course yes. Yeah. <laughs> talk, t- let's
0: talk what, what, how does that how would that play out? So there's
1: always a variable in any process or any engagement, you know. And until you reach the cognitive state within this the automation landscape, yeah. You know, people aren't gonna think like humans do, you know. Yeah. You know, um if you throw a ball at me, now I'm gonna dodge, you yeah. know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to throw the robot a couple of times before he it starts knows dodging. That, you know? When a ball comes at yeah. you you need to dodge. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Tagatail also does a few other things Um, besides – so we've spoken about the robotic process automation. We know that you do placement, but I know you've said there's a few other areas that you're looking at. What are some of the other things that you're doing within the business?
1: So I think let me just close that loop. So on the MVP being digital recruitment, we've put that now across the business. Um, So we've created verticals of which RPA is one of them. Okay. So recruitment will run across them as a service. So customers can either engage from a robotics perspective in buying permanent resources, uh, contractors, or they can ask us to consult. We can do scope of work or outcome-based. So those are the sort of service layers layers running up. But permanent recruitment would be across them. So permanent recruitment will stay. Okay. Um, I mean, our clients love what we're doing. So it's got its own clients, and it will also service the verticals of the business, if that makes sense.
0: So just when you say the verticals, I'm not quite clear.
1: So – Um Reveal Group SA is a vertical with a service which is RPA that sits down and underneath Tiger Yes. So TigerTale acts as a wrapper for all things digital, Mm -hmm. of which RPA is one. Okay. And the company executing that is Reveal Group. Okay. So as an example in the whole application development and DevOps space, um I had a choice. Either build that capability or go and find uh, you know, a well aligned, unconstrained, like minded thinking company. In the fintech space Okay That does DevOps Which I did So from a DevOps perspective Tangent Solutions is our partner I see Okay so And it's part of a model That I call Partnership to ownership So we partner with these Smaller um, um, Fintechs We help them to scale Their business And then over time um, We would acquire A percentage stake in them
0: Okay so they become Part and parcel Of the organization 100% It sounds to me Like quite a Move from The traditional business, the ad core business, in terms of how it's modeled and how it functions, because by and large what you do in that space is you're providing those services to other organizations and without necessarily the intention to acquire them. Is that a deliberate move? It's a deliberate move, yeah. Okay, and and the, the motivation or the rationale?
1: I think it's to move up the value chain um, in terms of the traditional business. So Targetel is a big use case for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, so good. Yeah, um, And yeah, we're going to continue to push forward. And, it, and for me, it's a There's another problem statement in that we're addressing at the same time is if you look at digital as a whole, just as an example and the places where you can procure those services, you know, the idea here is to disrupt those supply chains and the main outcome is, you know, to create a commercially sustainable alternative to what's out there in the market. Okay. You would know uh, from your background, you can't contract with Certain entities For long periods of time Because you'll be bankrupt Absolutely um, And it's no need To have You know You know Rates and pricing At the levels they are So You know I can take a tangent solution They would never Had a chance At one of the big banks Because they don't have The credentials mm. But Their pricing is sustainable You can actually have a In a Customer's digital Transformation program You can actually be there From the end From the start to the end And very competitively And very competitively Yeah And, and how does these guys compare to what's out there in the market? They tops. They, you know, they're even better than some of the guys I've known for, you know, donkey
0: years. Yeah. 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 Then aligned to that conversation around price and value is, is the conversation we had earlier, um, around offshoring. Mm -hmm. And I know you're very passionate about, you know, what, what we can do within our own country. And then I guess within our own continent as well. Um what are your views around that uh, because you know most of the large mm. organizations whether it's banks whether it's retailers have got a strong offshoring component mainly into India you know mm-hmm. by and large that's where a lot of our ties are um and uh, and uh, and, uh, and I mean I'm I'm not sure whether it is still ve- are they still very competitive at a pricing point of view is it really legacy so what's what's maintaining that status um as they, it is currently They
1: not they're not competitive prices are the same okay the the only the only um Uh, Benefit Why they sort of like Beating us to the punch There is they can scale They got numbers Okay Um, You know So I always say You know If we take hands For instance You know If I can just get 10 companies around the table For instance To each give a million rand We take 10 million rand We take 50 people We put them in a room And we train them then we're already addressing the problem. I see. Whether 10 of them are working for me tomorrow and 10 of them are working for you tomorrow, but at least we're doing something about it. But un- unless we can reach the point where we can scale and provide, you know, at a drop when a bank says, look, I'm going to do this in digital, I need a 100 of that. Mm. You can't get 100 of that in, in in South Africa. Why not? It's our own fault. We must come to the party and start training people.
0: Mm. But, I mean, what are they doing differently? I mean, do they have mass development? Or, uh, I'm so trying to get a sense, you know. I mean so, so,
1: there's an entity in India that um, was part of the group uh, previously. I'll tell you that there is software engineering um, um, university or practice that trains people pushes out about 15,000 engineers every six months.
0: 15,000 <laughs> engineers every six yeah. months. Does that then speak back into the, you know, primary education system that allows them to have that scale available to teach? Or is it just uh, resources? I mean, we've got a large population, a large unemployed population, even people with degrees. We've still got significant numbers of people that can't get jobs. Um, and yet what you're telling me about here is a skills shortage issue. And we've spoken mm. about skills shortage for donkey years, you know, decades we've spoken about tech skill shortages i mean i know now it's like cyber security Big data one. analysts you know we talk about it all the time um, but it doesn't seem to come to any sort of conclusive but answer
1: i think we need to take the blockers off you know so business south africa and corporate south africa if i track back to the late 90s i mean i was involved with the technology called object star okay and i'll use the following example and um, there's a and I use company names. Of course, okay. yeah. So SIA back then was a big user of the technology and there was a guy called Angus Lillenfeld ended up working for me and how he got into Object Store, he worked for Ed Blow. He actually delivered a bed okay. to one of the executives <laughs> yeah. and while he walked out, he looked on the screens and said, hey, what are you guys doing? He said, no, we're programming in Object Store. He says, do you want to start programming? He said, yeah. Three-minute flight school, two weeks later, 3 a customer and there's he today, one of the you know, best object style programmers. Mm. That's how it worked back then. But for some reason, you know, we believe that people can't do it if they don't have experience. Yeah. And they're wrong. And we must find ways and means to show people that it's that, that 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 sort of doesn't exist. I don't know how we got to that point, but it wasn't like that back then. Yeah. And back then you didn't have Google, you didn't have Udacity, you didn't have Coursera, you know, now you have all those things. Mm. I mean like, I know people that still at school that can program in 12 languages, you know. So of their own accord. On right? their own. They yeah. do it on their own.
0: Yeah. They actually have workable programs running. Sure. I think part of it as well, and it's kind of what, what I, you know, with our guests we try to do here, is to demystify some of the stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's so much jargon. There's so many nice words, and they really are great mm-hmm. words to use. Um They tend to, I guess, make people feel very conscious about knowing and not knowing, when the way you've described it now is really about spending a couple of weeks messing around with it, and it kind of then makes sense. Yeah. It pulls itself together. Um, within your organization, you've got talk IT and, yes. and they're, they're a well-established training provider. Have you got any insights into... What's happening in their world? I mean, are they still doing your traditional A plus N plus? Like, you know, have they uh, shifted?
1: F- way beyond that. I mean, I mean, Talk IT is the biggest trainer for, well, the only trainer for AWS for Amazon Web Services in the country. Fantastic. If you look at the uh, RPA business that we're spinning up now, so, um, we've, uh, uh, Carl, which been within Talk for many years, I mean, he's most probably the most qualified person on the planet hmm. because everything that Talk trains is, uh, like a trainer practitioner on. Sure. So we've just, um, Took him on the track To become a practitioner On the RPA technology Blue Prism So as from the 1st of March Talk IT will actually train uh, That for us
0: Okay And and is that something That was driven Internally or externally So was it pressure From the market Or was it like a, Something you guys saw To say oh, We're going to need To make significant shifts It's internal
1: thought leadership
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: Spotting Spotting the areas That make sense Yeah
0: I'm I'm asking that because I'm pretty sure it's not just your organisation. I'm sure the banks, you know, the motor manufacturers are thinking the same way. But there's a collective, I guess, cohesion mm-hmm. of driving it that seems to be missing. I don't know. I mean, look, I refer to the thing that my team knows. Eh? So
1: the theory of constraint, you know, that's one thing that pisses me off. You know, people being constrained in their thinking. Yeah, and I think that's where the big corporates and the businesses are. You know, they they too constrained in their thinking, so they can't move quickly. You know, because people can always tell you ten reasons why not to do something, but they can't give you one why, yeah, so I'm the one why guy, <laughs> and um you know that's why if you if you stay unconstrained you know you, you'd scale at large, yeah, but if you start talking bigger uh, bigger corporates or consulting firms, they can't because global's telling them how they must operate, yeah, you yeah. know, so us as a organization will never be constrained
0: and, and 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 is it something that you feel can? Can be ingrained in the young people. You know, as you see young people looking for new opportunities, and looking for new jobs.
1: It's in them already. Yeah. You know, last year they had that uh, Women Entrepreneurial Summit in Cape Town. There was, uh, what's it, Michaela Uleman was there. Yeah. Who spun up that um, lemonade uh, business. Yeah. I mean, later that year she got an $11 million contract with some food reseller. mm And she said something when speaking at that conference. She said, they asked her what's the best advice that she can give to young entrepreneurs and people doing things differently in business. And she said, never stop dreaming like a kid. Because if you dream like a kid, then everything's possible. You know, if you build a business today, you want to do something, you know, the way that we're doing. And you say, oh, okay, but to spin up this idea, I need to register this and I need to do that. And Oh, you know what? Let's rather leave it. Let's put it here. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if you start thinking like that again, you know, I think, you know, the whole, your whole world will change.
0: Absolutely. So when I was looking, in, you know, trying to understand your business, uh, one of the things that came up on Google, which Google is quite nice because it can actually throw you into different spaces, is, you know, the phrase, you know, the tiger by the tail. Um, And and so I got lost in that world For a while and, And some of the You know The definition offered About having a tiger By the tail Is that You've started something Which is very dangerous And You know You can't stop Because if you stop it Then it could almost Consume you You know So if you let go Of the tiger's tail The tiger will You know Kill you But you can't but you also need to hold on to it to stay alive, so to speak. And it kind of sounds to me, to a certain extent, it might not be intentional, but your organization, you're also kind of in that space where you've started something that if you let go of, you know, it could become dangerous, but the opportunities of holding on are, you know, insurmountable, so to speak.
1: As follow through, you will only leave the tail if your mind gets constrained again, yeah. somewhere down the path. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's many tigers tails that we try and, that we're holding currently And we sort of like Prioritizing them Okay um, You know I spoke about three But there's another seven To follow And um, the danger is If you start with four Five and six You know Then you're going to leave Tail one, one two, And then two, you're yeah, in yeah. trouble mm. So so I think You know those, That principle remains And I mean You know Being on a show here today If there's any People out there That's keen on getting involved In a business like this You know You know I need People to put in leadership roles to make all of this work yeah. at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to then just talk about jobs. You know, um, when we had the meeting with your team, I said, you guys are in such a great position. You're selling something everybody wants, which is a job. So it should be easy. We're done. Uh, but it's not that simple, right? And and part of it, I guess, is the skills um, match that, that sometimes is lacking. But I guess another part is getting young people to think differently. Um, what... what Advice or input would you give to maybe not just young people, but people out there about how do they embrace this digital world if they feel that it's something that may be too removed from what they're doing today? You know, I'm an accountant or finance controller or something like that. And I feel that this is something that's more inclined mm. for someone from the IT side of the business. What type of insights do you, do you offer to them?
1: Well, let's just one step back. So, um, I met, uh, actually, which I classify as a, Lateral outward thinking Actually Okay So that doesn't make sense right No not at (laughs) all (laughs) So So it's typically I mean He he got into the consulting side Actuarial science That the mundane Everyday sort of actuarial work And then decided You know what I hate this And when he decided He hated this You know He sort of like Flipped into A different mindset So Mm -hmm. I I would say definitely What's the things that You know And I said it earlier You know Really pisses you off You know That's That's what the young people should look look at, you know, and how are they going to change that? Mm, mm. Um, when we went to Australia with the Raspberry Brand integration, um, one of our consultants in Australia um, at the end of the workshop stood up and he said, "Like, guys, I hate this brand. The logo is shitty. You know, I really hate it." Yeah. And I mean, like, who are you? You know? Yeah. And then, can you back it up? And he said, "Yes." And he opened a slide. There, can he actually? Put work into redesigning it, he's done, already. he's done it already. Wow. So so what I'm saying is also don't be the guy who just says what's wrong with everything. Mm. Also come up with a solution. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, you know, um South Africans but people as a whole, you know, human beings, we're smart people. You yeah. Know, we just need to apply our minds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And any other insights you'd share? I mean, you know, employment's such a big topic. We're trying to grow the economy. I mean, we're growing at less than two percent. Um, what are some of the things And not just young people What are some of the things We need to start doing more of Um To to get ourselves Into a space Where we can add value Differently In a digital world Look
1: Digital Is uh, Fastest growing economy You know Worldwide And in our country as well It's the economy mm. I think we're growing At a rate higher Than the US For instance At this point in time From but a it, digital perspective From a digital of, perspective Of a smaller base yeah. Of course, yeah But it is new Yeah Um you know, I think I really urge you know um, companies to like maybe take hands and say you know one company on its own can't solve um, getting more people into into the community mm. and more people you know into jobs to start actually executing these strategies. Um, if we don't do that, the work's going to go somewhere else, and it's not going to go to us. Yeah. And having the digital revolution as a great contributor to the economy, and like you rightfully say, so growing at a at a rate of less than two percent, we have a fighting chance here with increasing that if you know we we um, work together and work smarter. Mm. Um, I think if you look at our model, it's not about um, us or I. You know, um, like DevOps, the example I gave. Yeah. Why go and do it myself? You know, there is a company out there that I found that can actually get me there and themselves there. Yeah. Um from when we started our partnership. Um, they were less than 60 people, um, sort of October of last year. They're now nearly 80. Wow. So, and they've been in existence since 2010. So they could only reach that mark. Yeah.
0: You know. And, but now, in collaborating with you, the scale effect keeps in. Yeah.
1: Because they, technical people, they know what they want to do, but, you know, from a commerce perspective and really scaling business out, they lack that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if we do more of that, um, I think, you know, with make huge impact.
0: Yeah. What's, what's really great, um, before we wrap up our conversation is, you know, um, if one understood AdCorp or Paracon or, you know, some of the businesses you have in the talk, which are, which are great South African businesses, you, you might, um, only think, you know, placements or workforce, or whatever, but you've given a different perspective on that. And I think the opportunity is for companies in other industries to realize that it's not a big step. It's not really. a big leap. I mean, a year ago you decided, Hey, here's a company. What can we do? to engage the digital era. And I mean, you said you've got upwards of 300 to 400 people now within, within the tiger tailed environment. So I think the opportunity is there for other industries as well to, to quickly scale out and do th- new things within the space that they operate.
1: I must say, if you look at Adcorp alone, how much they contribute to The employment rate in South Africa. I mean, Adcorp employs more than ninety thousand
0: non-professional workers in this country. Mm, mm, Fantastic. So, on that note, then, Peter, um, the show we really talk about disruption, although we try not to use too much jargon. But I really would like for you. I mean, you've said already. You're someone who likes to deal with things that piss you off. um, So you're somewhat of a maverick. How would you define disruption?
1: Again, I'll come back to that point. Uh It's one thing to change something that. You know, really doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, you know, disruption and innovation. There's many forms of it. Yeah. Um, but it really boils down to that for me. You know, you can go and Google some, you know, defined scientific, you know, uh, um, explanation for what disruption really is. Mm-hmm. But it is really, I mean, like look at this place. You know, it's built off the back of you know things not working process-wise or outcome-wise the way that you wanted it to work, yes, and
0: now you have the thing that works for you. Yeah, um, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And your vision for South Africa and the continent, as we embark on the the next, uh, I guess they call it, re- revolution of uh, economies and societies. What, what's your vision for us?
1: Um, last year, I spent uh, five days at Gartner mm-hmm. and the keynote speaker at, uh, on the last day left the audience with the following message, and and I think you know that's the one that hit home for me. So if you think human, you'll build, build a brand and a business. So I think for Africa, as long as we do think human in all the things that we do, um, you know, this continent can just go
0: grow from strength to strength. Fantastic, uh, thinking human. One thing that is common for most of the guests that come on the show, whether I ask them about disruption or I ask them about the future, it's always human. And as much as we might spend, you know. Mm-hmm. Thirty, forty-five 45 minutes talking about digital and robots and AI and self-driving vehicles, what's common across everybody is mm-hmm. that human aspect, and I think it's something to really keep close to all of us. Peter, well. thank you so much for joining us on the cool. show. It's been Thanks fantastic. Thanks for having um, it. um, And all the best with Tiger Digital, we really looked, or Tiger Tail Digital, we looked forward to um, what's happening in those sixth and seventh pillars that you spoke about in some new disruptive energy really coming from from within South Africa and with the partnerships you're forming globally. Uh, to our listeners on the show, thank you for joining us. It's been fascinating really talking about employment and how we can engage employment in a digital era very differently. And it really comes back to, you know, capacitating ourselves and thinking differently, shifting mindsets. Um, for me and Disrupt with Mpuminklapu, thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day. This is Disrupt with Mpuminklapu. Powered by two systems. This is CliffCentral.com